This message was presented at the DYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.dycweb.org. Lord, Father in heaven, we want to come before you and we want to pray that you be with us. And Lord, there's been a lot of preparation for this for a lot of people, this event. And we are doing all of this in front of men and of angels and other worlds. And Lord, we, we want to be faithful to you. You've been so faithful to us. We want to open up our hearts and we would like to gain a deeper sense of how much you love us how your plan for us is so much better than our plan for ourselves. And Lord, we, uh, I pray that you would just use me as your instrument and your mouthpiece. And Lord, you know how feeble I am, but I pray that you would be more powerful than any other source. And that the ears and the minds of those listening, the distractions would be subdued and your message would become strong. And we ask this with faith in Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh, did you have a chance to take a look at the title of this? How many thought that was cute? How many thought that was a little lame? Okay, just be honest, that's okay. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I was in a, doing a presentation uh, that I do some, sometimes get an opportunity to visit some of our uh, evangelistic schools and do a presentation on education. And so uh, I, it just came out of my mouth once and I said, Lord, that is so good. Uh, because that really gets to the crux of the matter is that we have this idea of schooling, and then we have this idea of education, and we, in our minds, we really haven't separated them very well at all. Our culture has really seen schooling as our way to be educated. And uh, so uh, I want to give you, uh, first of all, to start through this, I want to start with just by giving an overview of the sessions. Here's the uh, session titles, which, which didn't make it into the uh, uh, brochure uh, for GYC. And uh, so give an overview, I'll start with that. And then, and then we want to talk about what, what really went wrong. How did, how did we get this mix up between um, education and schooling? And then uh, I want to talk specifically about a school that is one of our model schools. We have the Eden School, we have the School of the Prophets, and then we have the Jesus School. How many think that would be a great school to model from, right? Amen. All right, and then, uh, uh, and then why the world is actually right now looking at the way they do schooling, and they are, they are convinced that we need to change what they're doing. They need to change what they're doing, and this is happening all over. We're going to get into the details about that. And then uh, the fifth one, then, is true education. What really is it? We'll take a look and, and try to unpack that. That'll be Friday morning. And then Sabbath afternoon, the future of Adventist education and, and where uh, we see it going, where God wants it to go with technology and our culture, where does it all merge and what does it look like 
uh, the future need to look like for Adventist education. So I wanted to start by giving you a bit of an overview of these sessions and, uh, and start this session by giving you a little bit of uh, mostly about my schooling because I've been in the schooling thing. I haven't always enjoyed the schooling thing. I haven't been the kind of guy who has been the straight A student typically in my younger years. In fact, I think I, I think I got an F in math in fifth grade or something. I don't remember. I don't know. But you guys still care for me, I think. It's probably, you haven't written me off yet. Um, but I did do a few little things. Anyway, um, uh, elementary school was public school. And uh, then I went to Broadview Academy just outside of Chicago. And uh, then I went to Andrews University and finished with uh, a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Education. I started out in engineering and then switched over to uh, industrial education with a photography minor. And then uh, I later, uh, after I was married, went back for a master's in art with a photography concentration. And that's where some of the uh, design things, uh, like the illustrations, I, I use lots of illustrations and graphics and things. Um, and by the way, there should be, where, where is it at? There should be a sheet running around somewhere with names in, okay, it's back here. So with your name and email address, and uh, I will send you a copy of the uh, presentation, of all the presentations. So, um, and also, by the way, just there are pens over here and water, keep your brain lubricated. And uh, if you wanna write notes, that'll be good. And you, uh, but you won't have to write down all the quotes because I'll send those to you through email. Um, and then uh, later on, I really felt impressed. The Lord uh, pushing me over, uh, ended up going to Indiana University for my PhD in instructional systems technology. And this was really a fascinating thing because I wasn't an academic type. And I guess now because I spent, um, people consider me an academic type. And it really is sort of interesting to me because I don't see myself is an academic. I just know a lot about academics. Um, but maybe that's what considers. Anyway, and I do a lot of studying of the book education, a lot of spirit of prophecy, a lot of uh, writings of other people about education. Um, and that's kind of my education side rather than my schooling side. And then uh, we've done a lot of homeschooling as a family. Uh, I went back to be principal at Broadview Academy. And uh, then I worked for a while in Michigan Conference as an associate superintendent visiting schools and uh, worked at Andrews University for about 13 years uh, teaching and summit administration there. And now I'm at Weimar Institute, the chancellor there. And, uh, and that is a lot of fun. And so I love education. In fact, uh, over at my experience at Broadview, this was uh, elementary school, was in public school. And when I went to Broadview Academy, I really didn't have a deep desire for the Lord in my heart. And it was there that I first found the Lord. And so I knew that Adventist education, for me, made a really huge difference. And I know a lot of other people have had lots of other experiences. There have been people who have actually went through Adventist education that have walked away from the church. And that's far too common. And, uh, and I, probably many of us uh, in this room know many who have fallen in that situation. Um, 
That being said, for me, it was an experience that introduced me to the Lord in a way that I didn't have. And so what I have um, felt impressed by God is to study education and to reveal God's true education and how do we implement that true education into our schools so that we, the, so that we can improve uh, how young people really see God in a more true way. They can fall in love with him. They can uh, uh, just find the joy of salvation. And uh, it, wouldn't that be amazing just to see that happen to all of the students in Seventh Advent schools? And then that would just inspire churches, and then that would inspire a world, and we'd go home. Amen. Let's just go home. Because that's what it's about. Let's get home. Right? Wait, does anybody want to be here? I mean, you know, we can, you know, my, my family cooks great food, and I'm so very happy for that. And in fact, I break out in spontaneous applause sometimes, and it's like, Dad, quit clapping. Stop. Okay. I just, it's just so wonderful. Okay. That being said, I can't wait to get home. Right? We're camping here. When we get home and we set the banquet table, even even the amazing stuff my family prepares is going to pale in comparison to what the Lord has for us. So uh, that's what I'm really looking for. So uh, next I want to tell you about uh, my approach in how I present. Now, what I don't do, which I, I think you know, I wrestle in my mind sometimes, maybe I should do this, maybe I shouldn't. I, I don't present everything in a deeply organized fashion, what I like to do is there is an idea in the middle that I want you to get, and I start talking here, and then here, and then here, and then here, and here, and here. And so it's not, I, I think more in, have you guys seen like concept maps? That's how I think, is concept maps. I don't think, when I was in high school, they used to teach us how to do you know, this nice integrated piece you know, uh, in writing, what do they call like a uh, outline, right? And I just struggled with outline. Anybody struggle with outlines? Yeah. So talk with me afterwards. I got a great way of writing that doesn't use outlines. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, if you ever need to write, it's amazing. So praise the Lord. Um, anyway, it's about like visual guys. But anyway, uh, so what I think that does is it really... And, and because there's different kinds of thinkers, you know, there's these random abstract and then concrete sequential. There's different types of, uh, of, of, of the way people think. Um, so uh, what I would like to do for you is just tell you ahead of time that, that this is the case. And so what I want you to do, and, and part of this uh, is so that you can wrestle with this, and, and try to find how these pieces fit together and have the Lord inspire you. Uh, I'm sure there are lots of things that I'm missing that I could be saying that I miss along the way. Um, you know, I, I often hear presenters and think, oh man, you could have said that, that would have worked so well. And I'm sure that will happen here. So, um, and so I, I just, the, the Holy Spirit is not here just inspiring me. He's inspiring you. As your heart is open, he's going to inspire you with things that he's not been able to inspire me with. Does that make sense? I, I really, so, so may I be a conduit for the Lord's Spirit to inspire you 
in some small sense. May he add to that, and may you share and build, right? Okay, so that's what this. So be a thinker, be a doer. Uh, I don't want you to, to come through this presentation and uh, just get something, listen, and then walk away. I would love for you to be able to put something into action. So that's what the Lord did. When he talked, things happened. Creation. Let there be light. There was light. All right. Okay. So uh, start out with a quote uh, in, that goes right along with our uh, uh, GYC theme, which is before men and angels. And so listen to this. In a special manner, our schools are a spectacle to angels and to men. Amen. So what does that mean? In a very special way, our schools have a role in end time scenario. Uh, a knowledge of science, uh, Ellen White continues here, a knowledge of science of all kinds is power. And it is the purpose of God that, our ad that advanced science shall be taught in our schools as a preparation for the work that is to precede the closing scenes of Earth's history. Advanced science in the closing scenes of Earth's history. Now, why would that be? Isn't that interesting? It's not, it's not normally what you think of Ellen White talking about when she's talking about education. Advanced science. It's an important piece of this. She recognizes its power, and in the closing scenes of Earth's history as are we in that closing scenes of verse history? Right? So uh, this is, a in, a in a very real sense, schools and education plays a very key role in this. So uh, I want you to think, uh, in it, just for yourself, uh, where is the battleground in the great controversy? Where is the battleground? in the mind, in the minds of young people, older people, in the minds, in the minds of all of us. So think about this, Romans 12, 2. You know what that says? And do not be what? Conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind plays a very crucial role in education, of course, in schooling, and in spiritual development, and in physical development, of course. Uh, this is the New King James Version, Romans 12.2. Let's move over to the Message Version. I think this is really interesting. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Is that... Does that kind of hit home sometimes? Because I came up with what I call the reality version, not the, not the Randy version, but this is, we have become so well-adjusted to our culture that we have fit into it without even thinking. And that what I really believe is that God has designed a, an approach for education, and we have been usurped by this culture that's out there. And this culture has brought within us this idea of schooling, and we have mistaken that for true education. 
And that's what I think has happened, and that's what I want to help share with you um, over these next few days. So let me ask you a question. Has God ever asked you to do something different? To stop doing that? Or start doing that? Have you read through Scripture and thought, oh, I need to do that? Or a spirit of prophecy quote that just gets right to your soul and rings it out and grabs you? And, uh, and, there, and, and in some ways you really love it, in some ways you really don't like it. You know what I'm saying? Um, this uh, deep battle within our souls. Well, one evangelist says it this way, don't put question marks where God has put periods. Right? I mean, when God says it, let's do it. Uh, Prophet Elijah, I love this. If Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. Right? So really, we have two paths, and uh, I'd like to just say that the, the, there's God's way, that's kind of a smaller path, and there's the world's way, which is a bigger path. You, is that... Does that resonate with your, your understanding of Scripture? Okay, well, think about, think about it this way. There's this uh, choice that we have to make, and there's two directions on the choice. And then from each of those choices, there's directions, and there's other directions, et cetera, et cetera, right? So really what we're looking for is to get this general tendency of our decision-making not to be down, but to be up, right? to go God's way, that it's not this occasional deed or misdeed that really shows what our character is, but it's the general tendency of our life. So that's what we're looking for. And, and so I, I want to uh, try to understand better how God really reaches the world. What is his strategy in reaching the world? Does God want to reach the world? Does he ache, ache to see each person in his kingdom? That's what he wants. That's his deep desire. So the question is, how, what's his strategy for reaching the world? And... Uh, he, he's designed a group of people to have special favors. Now, uh, back in the time of uh, old Israel, uh, the uh, children of Israel were the chosen people, specially blessed by God, to bless the world. That was his strategy, right? And, uh, and they messed that up, and so what God has really designed is the church to be his messengers to the world. Am I, am I right? All right, you're following me. So God designs the church to reach the world. So the question would be, how does he reach the church? How about through the prophets? Right? So he tells the people, listen, when, when I have something that you need to know, I tell the prophets. So everything should be consistent with the prophets. So we look at Scripture, we uh, have Scripture highlighted and expounded, and we get deeper understanding uh, through spirit of prophecy. And so this is what the, the method that God has designed to reach the world. So... Our job as church members or as church leadership 
is to know and obey the prophets. That's, that's what God has designed for us to do. So this is kind of is this part of this illustration thing to say, how is it that we really need, why, why do we really need to know the Bible? Why is that important? It's important because that's how God designed it. He designed us to be listening to spirit of prophecy, to understand scripture, and that's how we would know what to do, and then we would reach the world. That's the strategy. Um, spirit of prophecy, uh, great controversy, 493. Last great deception is soon to open before us. The Antichrist to perform his marvelous works in our sight. So closely will the counterfeit resemble the true that it will be impossible to distinguish between them except by what? The Holy Scriptures. So what we know is in the future that there will be a time at which we can't trust what it is we see because we have to trust Scripture. Some church members, uh, some will turn away from the truth. And why? Because they did not live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Six following the testimonies. If they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. We must believe in the Bible more than what we believe, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we smell, or what we touch. Now, this isn't a quote other than me, so this is quoting me, but what, what I see God telling us is trust the Bible more than your senses. Then, at that point the Bible can then define your culture. The Bible can then define your family, right? When the people, the, the, the people were crowded around Jesus listening to him and his family came outside and they were trying to pull him away from his work, he said, who is my mother and my brothers? You are my mother and my brothers, those that are listening, the church. When, when your family falls away, and if your family is pulling you away, then God designs for the church to be your family. It's beautiful. This is, this is God's design. That the Bible can then be our reality. It can define our reality. Listen, we, our reality is so defined by our culture around us, we have got to figure out how to get into Scripture and get scripture to define our reality so we see the world as God sees it. Because we don't. We don't see it as God sees it. There's so much that needs to be changed inside of our mind. So I was wrestling with this, and uh, I was in church one time, and uh, I was talking with a uh, gentleman and uh, uh, I, I had thought, well, you know, I really... I need to just believe what I read out of Scripture. Because I would sometimes open up Scripture and, and I would look at it and I would see something that made sense to me and I'd go, well, that must be the way it is. And then, and then I'd read something and I'd go, well, obviously it's not literally meaning that. It must mean metaphorically. And so I would try to, you know, because it didn't fit with the way I was thinking or it didn't fit with my logic. And so I, I started thinking, well, how do I really know, you know, 
when God says, you know, this is what I want you to do, how do I determine about whether which things that I take literally and which I don't? And so I decided that I probably ought to just take them literally unless there was clear evidence that they were metaphorical or prophecy, right? So um, I was in a Sabbath school class, and we read through something, and, uh, and I thought to my, my first thought was, well, obviously that's not true because that doesn't fit with the way I think. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe Scripture is different than the way you think, Randy. And I thought, oh, well, that could be. And so uh, I, 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 I started coming to the realization that I needed to trust the Bible more than I needed to trust my own thinking. What a concept. Okay, so here's how, here's how I think I came to that. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, I, I, was, I was really trying to understand life and, uh, and how things worked and how my decision-making worked and and I really was trying to wrestle with this, and I felt like I had to just come to the spot where I just chose to believe the Bible, right? You know, I, I, I grabbed lots of evidence from my own uh, transformation, how God had worked through me, through prophecy and seeing how prophecy had been fulfilled, and... Uh, I, had, I just had to come to the spot where I made a choice to believe. I believe it. That's it. The Bible's true. I believe it. So then, once I came to that point, what I, what I started to recognize is I needed to think differently about the Bible after I believed it than how I came to it. So it's like this. Understand to believe. Once you believe in the Bible, now you believe to understand. And, and, and that is this way. I take the evidence that the Bible is true, whether it's, whether it's uh, my own personal experience, testimonies of others, prophecy, and, I, and I, those are evidence that the Bible is true. But at some point, you have to choose that you believe in Scripture. I believe it. I believe the Word of God more than I believe my own experience and the way I think. And it's only when you come to that point that you will find new understandings that God can reveal to you when your mind is positioned that way. And so, but you can't come to the Bible that way. You use this evidence to say, is this real? Is this really what I'm looking for? I believe it. Then you believe it, and now the world takes on a new look because your, your new glasses is Scripture. It's God's Word. It's His prophets. The world looks differently because you don't see through your own eyes, which is foggy. Amen, those with glasses. Oh, it's crystal clear now. Amen. Glad that's happening. Okay, so... Essentially, this is, so, this is the world's way versus God's way. The world's way trusts senses. God's way trusts Scripture. Does that make sense? That's what we need to do. We have to come to that spot. And if we don't come to that spot, then we will never understand true education. Because our world has so indoctrinated us 
as to what schooling is. When I opened up the book Education, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to, years ago when I went through Andrews University, uh, take a class from a gentleman uh, who, who taught the class with great vigor, and he loved this class, called Philosophy of, of Christian Education at Andrews University. And uh, he had a vigor, and I went through the class, and in the class we read through much of the book Education, and, uh, and I remembered pieces of that class, not as much as I should have because I wasn't so focused. And uh, there was a, uh, a time in my life when I recognized, as I started to go off and do my PhD, as we started homeschooling our children, and I said, I really need to start reading the book Education more. And I thought, I'm teaching at Andrews University, and uh, that probably would be a good book for me to read, right? right? The, the book Education. So I picked it up, and I started reading it. And uh, when I first read the book, I thought, you know, she's talking about a lot of spiritual stuff uh, uh, along with, you know, education. And, and what I didn't see was this... this breadth of education, what I saw was this little piece of schooling, and she was talking about all this other spiritual ideas and, and physical health, but I wanted to get to, to, to education, you see? And so as I started reading it, I thought, and then, and then I would go through a spiritual transformation, the Lord would work with me, and I'd come back and read it again, and I'd go, wow, she's actually dealing with some Education is different than I thought. And, and so it, it, God just used that to help open up and, and help me understand more and more and more. What a blessing. What a great blessing. So bottom line, what we have done is we have equated education with school. And we have thought that education can be accomplished by going to school. So, are you finished with your education? Yeah, I'm a senior now in college, and I'm just about ready to graduate, so I'm done being educated. Yeah, that would be a bit of a problem. You're, you, maybe you're done being schooled for now, okay? So the question would be, well, is 10 equal to 3? And I would say no, and I would say no. Right? We're talking about education, which is huge. It's lifelong. It's the whole being. In every school, Satan has tried to make himself the guide of the teachers who instruct the students. It is he who has introduced the idea that selfish amusements are necessary. When the Lord has presented before them that the better way is to embrace their education Manual labor in the place of amusements. Satan has used most ingenious methods to weave his plans and principles into the systems of education. So, by the way, in sixth volume of the testimony, there's a fantastic section on education, which uh, this is in there. I think it's like the second page inside of there. This is 
is, if you're in education, an amazing place to study. Um, uh, Ellen White, in her book Education, starts out this, uh, this whole book with a great first sentence. Our ideas of education take too narrow and too low a range. There's need of a broader scope, a higher aim. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study, which is kind of what we've gotten into with the idea of school. Are you following me when I'm saying this? This is school, and then there's education. Uh, Melanchthon said it, I like this, the cause of true education is the cause of God. In the highest work, Ellen White says, page 30, education, in the highest sense, the work of education and the work of redemption are one. That the goal of true education really is to redefine your thinking through scripture, through nature, through the books that God has designed, and to open, open up our minds. God really, truly does desire us to understand true education. So, um, before we walked in here, and I've, I've talked with a lot of people, and I've asked them this question. What comes to your mind when I say the word education? And so let me throw up a few uh, things up here which, uh, come, uh, which are common things that, that people say. So things like classroom and tests and teachers and students and quizzes and studying and homework and desks and lectures and textbooks and subjects. Is that some, some of those things, anybody participated in that? Does that resonate with you? Amen. Okay. Um, and so what, what I think, I think actually what, it, what, what this is actually portraying to us is actually portraying school. That's schooling. And uh, then let me give you another list. Academics, whole mind, whole person, manual labor, character, character building, Bible-based instruction, nature, service learning, lifelong learning. I think those are more education. And that there is a, there is a, a deep difference between education and schooling. So let me give you a highlight and then I'll, I'll go into some of these in a, in a more nuanced way. Location, schooling is typically done in a classroom, right? I mean, it's pretty exciting when the teacher takes the class outside, right? Great, it's a great day, we go outside. And all the students are all distracted, looking over here, looking over here, and the teacher's like, oh great, why did I come outside, right? Okay, um, education's done all over the place. You're doing, where do you do your reading at, right? Outside, right? Out on the front porch. Of course, not in Michigan right now when the weather's a little struggling. Um, but, you know, in your bed and in, in your easy chair, uh, while you're walking, reading on a walk. Uh, I, I see a lot of people doing their reading and writing while they're texting and they're walking too. And hopefully you don't run into too many people. Um, uh, so, but it can be done anywhere, right? Library, uh, I had one of my daughters come home one time. She said, she came home with a pile of books. She goes, wow, dog's best friend? No, library is man's best friend. This is incredible. Look at all the information. So she was just, uh, good. so it can happen everywhere. Can, can church be a place to learn? Amen. By the way, you'll find when Jesus 
is shown as teaching. He's also shown as teaching in the synagogue. He taught in the synagogue. You'll see that. Um, yes, and by the way, there is water and writing instruments, both in the back section and the front section, little places to write. And there's a notebook also going around for, to put your name and email address, and I can send you a copy of all of the presentations so you don't have to write down all of the details on this. Okay, so where, where is it? Okay, good. Is it still going back? or? Okay, all right, good. Yeah, keep that going. Thank you. All right, so uh, then the focus, the focus can be in, in schooling is primarily academics. I mean, it's all the academic subjects, whereas in education, the focus isn't purely academics. Academics is a component of it, but it's the broader, the mind, body, and spirit. Um, what kind of, when we, when we do focus on the mind, schooling typically focuses on memory and recall. Anyone taking a test recently can vouch for that, right? You know what that's like. All right, and then, uh, and then thinking skills, broad thinking skills, is more the focus of education. Um, organization, it, we currently use this highly factorized, I don't know if that's a word, but um, uh, the industrial model. Uh, education's more organic and growth oriented. So if you, if you might think about uh, our current system, uh, I, I used to use this illustration of having a, a sponge as the student, this dry sponge. And the teacher would come as a, with a pitcher of water and pour their knowledge onto the sponge, and the sponge would absorb it. Okay? Is, that, is this metaphor making sense, right? We have the content of the teacher, and they're pouring it in. And then comes the end of the semester, and so the teacher would pick up the sponge, put it into a beaker, and squeeze it out of the student, and it would fill up to C, B plus, A minus. That's all we can get out of it, right? And so that was kind of a, a metaphor for how, for how teaching and learning this, in this industrial model, right? But God's plan works far different than that. Anyone worked in a garden and tried to squeeze something out of a plant? Give me that tomato. Right? It doesn't work very well. Right? You give it sun. Right? You give it good earth and nourishment and water. And what does it do? What does it do? It grows. Amen. Right? And that's what God is looking for. Education is about growth. It's not about pushing content down your throats. When you're not ready, you're not ready for it. I mean, content is a great thing. Amen, content is fantastic to know. I'm glad I have a bit of a content to share with you. But if, if it doesn't resonate into your experience, and if it's just a bunch of content that you're going to be asked to give a report on later, and that's all it is, it's worthless content, or maybe even worse than worthless. It needs to facilitate your growth. And you know, that doesn't actually have to depend on what somebody told you you need to get out of this. You need to be here, and then I want to report back. That can be totally irrelevant as to what you decide to get out of it. Because you can choose to say, Lord, teach me. And even I can be a blessing to you. Okay? Any of us could be a blessing, because the Lord can speak through us. So, 
That's this growth model. Um, approach is very compartmentalized. We have 40 minutes for learning this. Okay, now we need to stop learning math, and we need to move you to another room, and we need to start learning how to read. Right? So very compartmentalized, whereas education is far more integrated. Um, and if you think about breadth, who we focus on, children and youth, as opposed to education, which is focused on everyone, from uh, children to adults. But uh, education is far more than that. It must be centered on Jesus. Because we can talk about all those things, and if it's not centered on Jesus, we're going to lose it. Uh, Ellen White says this, In the teacher sent from God, all true educational work finds its center. All true, what kind of work? Educational work. You think of that big, broad educational work. The presence of such a teacher, of such opportunity for divine education, what worse than folly is it to seek an education apart from him? That would be like to seek to be wise apart from wisdom. To seek to be true while rejecting truth. To seek illumination apart from the light. And existence without the life. To turn from the fountains of living water and hew out broken cisterns that can hold no water that's found in education. That sounds like a preacher getting all fired up, doesn't it? I mean, this is, it's a direct quote. I was like, whoa, whoa she's fired up now. This is, and, and when you read things like this, you start to get a deeper sense of what is education? What is the breadth of education? It's not just schooling. So education equal to school is 10 equal to 3. I say no and no. Let's put it this way. I want to illustrate it now with a visual. Uh, and so what I have before you is a graphic showing this uh, spirit, mind, and body uh, throughout uh, the existence of ones from conception, birth, and maybe this typical schooling age of 5 through 22, and we go through death and on into eternity, which we can go wrap all the way around the room, and then it, it just keeps going, right? All right, so schooling focuses where? On what time of life? Okay, so roughly 5 through 22. Okay, I went to school after that, probably before that, but anyway, roughly. Does school focus on spiritual development and physical development? No, primarily mental development. I mean, if you look at the, the time that we spend in classes, that's really what we're focusing on. And if we're focusing on, but maybe a little bit of spiritual, a little bit of physical there, um, if, we, if we take a look at it, it's, it, it works very heavily in the mental recall and content delivery, right? So what we're really doing is comparing education, which encompasses all vis-a-vis the schooling which focuses on just a small portion of development. Again, this presentation is to, is to help to clarify with 
with crystal clarity that education and schooling are not equal. Okay? All right. So I'm going to read through a couple of quotes, and then uh, I want to do question and answer. I'd like to do a bit of question and answer at the end of each of the sessions that uh, if, if some of you folks have another presentation across that you need to get to, it'll allow you a chance to slip out a little early and go do that. Uh, and for others who really have questions that I, we haven't addressed, then maybe we could talk about some of those. And so I'm going to go through a couple quotes that give you a chance to, to think about what you might ask as a question. Um, and then we will close it with prayer. We'll have some question and answer time, and then also um, we'll close with prayer after that. So um, others have also recognized that education uh, is a big and broad thing. There's a, a Korean proverb that says, education is a plan which spans 100 years. One author says, there's no such thing as teaching, only learning. Uh, ever heard of Monty Roberts, the horse whisperer? He, he sees and he works with the horses anyway. Very fascinating uh, quote. Another guy you might have heard of, Albert Einstein. Uh, education is what remains after what one has forgotten when one has learned in school. What one has learned in school. And uh, my personal favorite, I used to think that I didn't like learning. Actually, I didn't like school. And that's quoting myself. Uh, I don't want to be misunderstood at all. Uh, it would be a misunderstanding to say that I don't support Seventh-day Adventist education or Seventh-day Adventist schools. And, and I have no intention of being critical because the, those that accuse the brethren uh, have, a, have a poor model. That's what, who, who, who's known for accusing the, the accuser of the brethren is who? It's Satan, okay, so I don't really want to get involved with his stuff, okay. What I want to do is I want to show what God has revealed through scripture, through spirit of prophecy, I want to put it into the context of today's light and how it fits in today's education system. And I want to share how, how God has really revealed to us a way that we need to move. Our Adventist schools have room for growth. Now, I work at Weimar Institute, and praise the Lord for Weimar Institute. I'm happy to be there. It's an amazing place. We have a lot of fun. Amen. All right, see some of you folks in the audience. All right. Um, and, and my point isn't to push everyone needs to come to Weimar Institute. That's not my point at all. And, and my reason for actually going to Weimar isn't because I'm a big Weimar fan. Now, I love Weimar. It's a great place. That's not my purpose in life is to make Weimar great. My purpose in life, which I feel compelled, is to help make Seventh-day Adventist education great. To make it more than great. To make it what God has designed it to. So how can I do that? That's, you want to know what's inside and why I'm doing this? That's why I'm doing it. It's because if I can help you get a little piece of how to make your school better, to how to make your experience true education instead of just schooling, 
Uh, in the last presentation, uh, I'm going to cover uh, what things people could be doing uh, at, from students, from teachers, from schools. What can we do in true education to help make our experience better as a teacher, as a student, as an administrator? How can we improve what we're doing? And, and that one will be our last presentation. Um, but that's, that's my point. That's really what I, that's really what I want to deliver. And so uh, hopefully this has been helpful and hopefully it has inspired some questions and we can take a few minutes uh, in, our, in our closing, uh, yeah, almost 10 minutes uh, to do that. Let's close with a word of prayer. We'll have our question and answer and then we'll have another word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much that you are a wonderful God and you have plans for us beyond what we can even imagine. Uh, even in our wildest imagination, Lord, it's just so wonderful. You're so good to be able to put things beyond what we can even think of. And so, Lord, as we have spent some time together, I pray this wouldn't be time wasted for eternity, Lord. That in all of the busyness with all of the, the presentations and things that we wouldn't just be filled up with a bunch of knowledge and do nothing. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to turn something from this weekend's experience, this conference, into some action that would change us, and that would be true education. That we can actually turn something not just into content recall, but into a changed life where we can make a difference in the lives of others. Lord, we want to do that. We want to. We want to we be here for a purpose. You know that. You put that inside of our hearts. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us accomplish that through your power as we lean on you and your precious promises. You've given us wonderful promises. Help us to claim those through faith in Jesus, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... Uh, any questions? And by the way, if you have some transitions and want to transition out, that was fine. I'm not trying to push people out, but I'm just trying to give you a smooth, easy transition spot. Is this working? Testing? Testing. Oh, yeah, turn it on. That's good. Okay. I'll try it. I don't know. Hello. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience? Because I know you said um, you've been both public universities and Andrews. Mm -hmm. Like, distinct concrete differences that you had in your experience. Um, in, 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 in. Okay. So it looks like our microphone isn't. I'll keep working on that. Oh, wait. This one's not working. Testing, testing. Yeah. Okay, and this one, oh, this one's working too. Good. All right. Um, so some concrete differences between a, a public university and a private or Adventist school. And uh, I probably talked about, what's that? Just use this one. Okay. Um, pros and cons? Benefits of both and negatives of both. Okay, well, um, 
I guess we could take some time to talk about that. Um, what I would say in brief is that there's a lot of uh, good research that's happening in secular universities, and they are learning a lot about how the world really works. The biggest problem is they try to fit it into their already, their box of their mind, which says this is how the world is supposed to work. And so they try to fit that research much like some poor research that uh, can be done by a Seventh-day Adventist where they try to fit it into their box rather than to have uh, scripture as their definitive answer for how the world works. Uh, so um, I've read some really good research that have come out of some secular universities in which they have been true seekers of truth and, and they say, we don't understand this, but this is the results we get. And that is great research and, and that's really good uh, but because they're great seekers of truth. However, and, and I, have a, I have a slide that talks about how um, universities work as far as theorists and practitioners and, and researchers um, and try to explain that. But essentially, they're after advancing knowledge. That's what the universities are after, advancing knowledge, which is what our Seventh-day Adventist universities are doing underneath the context of this. And so let me deal with um, the traditional Seventh-day Adventist university and what I see in the traditional Seventh-day Adventist University is um, one of, and, and okay, I'm, I'm going too fast or too slow, one of the, um, let me move back to our, our public school. So it's a great research, great opportunities for ministry, um, for reaching out to people who haven't heard about the Lord. Um, some great dangers there because it's far too easy to get sucked in. Spirit of Prophecy talks about times when it's appropriate to do that, but they should be very few and far between. Um, when I actually went to do my doctoral work at Indiana University, I was taking doctoral classes at Andrews University for my doctoral degree, and I intended to get my doctorate at Andrews. And through a, a series of events, I felt led to move to a public uh, university to do it. Um, and so I, I, I don't think that it should, I think it should happen rarely, but the person needs to be extremely strong spiritually. Uh, and even in our Adventist schools, there's a lot of things that are, that are happening that we, that we need to move closer to God's plan. And I will say the same thing at Weimar. There are things that we're doing at Weimar that we need to move closer to God's plan. We're studying it. The things that are simple to do, we've made those switches, but there are things that are more complex and more systemic that run throughout the entire institution that are more difficult than just a quick change. And so those things uh, are, are a little bit more difficult, but yet still are, are prevalent even at Weimar, and so those things are, so I, I don't know if that helped answer your question. Uh, of course, going to an Adventist institution, you have a bunch of uh, Adventists, and, if, and, and one, of the, one of the great things of an Adventist institution is finding other Adventist young people to build friendships with uh, and, and life partners with, so that can also be a great blessing. So that's kind of the, 
I mean, we can go into a lot more detail, but just to try to keep it brief. Yeah, uh, other questions? Yes. You do it. So he's not having any fun. I mean, we're having a challenge motivating him. We know what he likes. But recently, within the spirit of prophecy, everywhere I turn, I'm seeing all these quotes from Sister White, and it's been on my mind. And actually, what he's planning to come to BYC is just quite by coincidence. I'm here for And then I got here, and I found out you were having this course. So I'm really kind of excited. So what actually Mm -hmm. But we have not really replaced it with anything. So that's also a challenge that we're having. So if you have any ideas that can help us to see what direction we can go in I would have one word for you. Brenda, my wife. Uh, we, she started home, leading out in our homeschooling of our children back in 1991, I think. So, and she's still homeschooling. And she's still homeschooling me, too. So, still learning. But uh, anyway, for some real resources and, and, you, and, and for homeschooling, you need to have a network. And I don't, you know, if you've, how long have you been doing it? About five years, okay. And you've, and you've started to feel this craving for a network, or you have a network? We don't. We have a semi-network when we lived in New Jersey, but we moved to West Virginia 18 months ago. We don't really have it. Okay, all right, all right, all right, good. So there might be some online network or something like that. And I would just have you talk with my wife briefly afterwards and just uh, with bouncing ideas and things. How am I doing time-wise? And we're all done. Okay. Uh, I, I want to make sure and close. Uh, just. Okay. Yeah. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Let's uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we are so grateful. You are a great lover of people, and we thank you that you care enough for us to put together events like this and and use many, many people and, and much of their effort to be able to bless us. We're thankful for their work and want to praise you. And Lord, we, we pray that you would bless us in, as we go into the next session, as we move about our activities, that you would go with us. Please be our teacher in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.